This is the business of sports. Let's talk Super Bowl and Fox Sports. Guaranteed money isn't necessarily guaranteed. One major league soccer owner is leading a $50 million investment. The blurring of the lines between sports team owners and the sports gambling space. Michael Barr. How high can these valuations go? Evan Novi williams Off the field, the NBA has never been buzzier. And the leaders in the sports industry. Major League Baseball Commissioner Rob Manfred. Heidi O'Neill is president of direct-to-consumer at Nike. Then the race car driver, Elio Castro. Jared Smith, president of Ticketmaster. Bloomberg Business of Sports from Bloomberg Radio. Hello, I'm Evan Novi williams And I'm Michael Barr, and this is the Bloomberg Business of Sports podcast, where we explore the big money issues in the world of sports. Also joining us today, our pal Mike Lynch. Gentlemen, let's begin with the news that Rob Gronkowski is reuniting with Tom Brady in Tampa. Who the what the where the why the? Foxborough South going down there, guys. You know, a week and a half, two weeks after Tom Brady kind of lit up the sports world at a time when there are no sports happening, uh, his old buddy Rob Gronkowski kind of does the same thing. Uh, I think this is, I mean, obviously it's it's probably a good thing for, for Tampa Bay. There's a lot of excitement. We'll see what the team actually looks like on the field. Um, but also, you know, at a time when I think a lot of sports fans are sitting at home just wanting news, wanting something to consume, wanting some reason to go to ESPN.com. Uh, these two guys, former Patriots, seem to be consistently delivering it. Mike Lynch, you know, you're a Boston guy. Kind of, what, yeah. what are your thoughts on this trade? Well, this is the one-two punch. We got a, a, a right hook from Tom Brady on St. Patrick's Day, and we got a left uppercut from uh, Rob Gronkowski yesterday around 4.15 in the afternoon when the news broke. And a lot of people are, are, are upset here. They're, first of all, they've been, they haven't gotten over Brady leaving, and now Gronkowski, who they saw as Tom Brady's security blanket for so many years, is now going down to Tampa. Uh, the other side of the coin up here are the people are saying, well, he's already retired. He wasn't going to play for the Patriots anyway, and at least they got a fourth-round draft pick out of, uh, for him. But a lot of people think that that wasn't really enough for, for the Patriots to get in return. But Gronkowski's a player. Uh, we all know how good he is, and now you toss in uh, him with a lineup with Chris Godwin and Mike Evans. Uh, they already have a tight end in O.J. Howard. He may be dealt away. Cameron Braid, the kid out of Harvard's a tight end, and that's a pretty good offense down there they have right now, and I think Brady's got to be pretty happy. Brady, by the way, got caught working out at a, at a public playground. Did you, did you see that? I saw that, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they fined him, too. <laughs> and they did. And some poor park patrol person came over and was like, you know, okay, and, and realized who it was, that, oh, my goodness, I'm really sorry. I'm looking forward to the season, but uh, <laughs> you got to get off the playground right now. <laughs> yeah, the, the odds for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers to win the Super Bowl I believe in February they were 60 to 1. You know, mm-hmm. after all the Brady stuff goes, they narrowed down. They were 17 to 1 two days ago. I believe now they're down to 14, 13 to 1 in some places. Um, Michael, how big a deal do you think this is? I mean, obviously, a, a better team is always better, but just the buzz around the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. They have brand new uniforms. I would imagine we're going to be seeing them. If the season does happen, we're going to be seeing them a lot in some primetime slots. For my money, they just became one of the most interesting, most intriguing NFL storylines of the year without a question, without question. Well, it goes back to what Mike was saying. And that is, you know, if you are, you know, a Patriots fan, you just got, you know, the the double punch. I can just imagine uh, as a Detroit Lions fan, let's say, uh, you know, obviously Barry Sanders retired in his middle of his career, and then all of a sudden Sanders shows up in Tampa Bay or something like that. I'd, I'd be mad as all get up. So, it, from a Patriots fan, I understand that. Uh, as uh, just an NFL fan, uh, 
I'm with you, Evan. I am intrigued to see what the Patriots are going to do this year. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, I think the the Buccaneers become you know the team that everybody wants to see. There are going to be people, I'm sure, up in Boston that are maybe rooting for them not to do very well. I'm sure there's people around the country that just like both Gronk and Brady and want to see them do well. I mean, I, I think we're going to be seeing it. And, and we talked, you know, the three of us talked about this a couple of weeks ago with Brady. You know, sometimes even if, you know, the guys you're signing are a little bit old and maybe they don't pan out, there is a lot of, you know, outside equity you get when you kind of reinvigorate your fan base by showing them that you're willing to make risky moves that that, that put your team on the front page. And two, just the attraction alone, just the fact that you're going to be in those primetime slots, your, your new uniforms, they're going to sell more jerseys this year than they would have absolutely if it was still, you know, Godwin and Winston as their number one quarterback and their number one, you know, re- receiving option. So, you know, again, th- there's there's some risk here probably in, in that these guys are old. Gronkowski hasn't played in, in a season and a half. But uh, again, there, there's there's a lot of value here to making moves like this that don't exactly show up necessarily in the win column or the loss column next year. And the Super Bowl, as we all know, this year is in Tampa, and no team mm. has ever played in their home field in a Super Bowl. So there's so many enticing uh, the stories here that are going on. And, and the big story up here in Boston is that Foxborough used to be a destination, and now it appears to be a jumping-off spot. Brady's gone. Gronkowski's gone. Uh Kyle Van Noy left, Jamie Collins left, a bunch of guys went to the Dolphins, some guys went to the your Detroit Lions, Michael, and and that's a concern here, and a lot of people are wondering, you know, has the uh, are people starting to tune out Bill Belichick, and are they going someplace else where they think they have a chance to win, but might have a little more fun and might actually have a chuckle or a laugh or two? Bill Belichick, his his kind of whole thing has always been he'd rather you know get rid of a guy too early than than to hold on to him too late. Um, do you think that maybe there's kind of a changing of the, the tolerance here from from Patriots fans after after the past month? I think that Patriot fans are upset with uh, they're trying to they're, they're trying to figure out who to blame Robert Kraft or Bill Belichick, and now after this latest uh, departure by Rob Gronkowski uh, coming out of retirement and going down to to Tampa, I think a lot of the fingers are pointing toward Bill Belichick. But one thing will cure all that: the Patriots win their division and go deep into the playoffs. Nobody's going to remember any of this stuff at all. Winning cures all maladies, all ills, and all ill will. Keep in mind too why. Rob Gronkowski retired because, uh, you know, at 30, I mean, he was just beat up, banged up, and and just injured all over the place. And now his body has apparently healed up, you know, when he's not out wrestling. And he he apparently, uh, he feels like he's ready to go. So we'll see what will happen. One final note on this, Michael. Uh, He signed a a deal in 2012, eight years, 56 million. And obviously soon after that, he became uh, highly underpaid. And the Patriots never renegotiated that deal. In fact, the last couple of years he played, he had an incentive-laden uh, because he had missed some games because of injuries, uh, a lot of games, incentive-laden uh, contract, and he felt like he didn't have he, he didn't have to go out and prove himself and catch, uh, you know, 85 passes to make an extra two million dollars. So there was a lot of bitterness there that had been building with 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 Gronkowski for years, and he finally now this is the first time in his life he's had leverage over Bill Belichick and the Patriots, and he exercised it with the move to Tampa Bay. There you go. Let's talk some baseball and news that minor league baseball will reportedly agree to contract 40 
teams. Yeah, so you know, we discussed this back in November when it became clear that this is what Major League Baseball wanted to do. They've been in ongoing negotiations trying to figure out, you know, what minor league baseball, their deal with Major League Baseball, what that looks like moving forward. Uh, and unfortunately, you know, the, the the coronavirus, the shutdown has hit minor league baseball very hard. You know, don't forget that, you know, a lot of these teams may be able to rely on their big media contracts. If they can hold games without fans, maybe that's a way to, to stem the difference. Minor league baseball does not have big media contracts. They are a business that is 100% reliant on fans paying to go to games. And unfortunately, uh, th- that is looking less and less likely in the near term future. Uh, so, you know, the, obviously the negotiations between minor league baseball and major league baseball look a little bit different now in mid-April than they did back in November when Major League Baseball's plan, which was to contract, you know, about 42 of the 162 teams, you know, that was, you know, greeted with, you know, a huge, huge fight by minor, minor League Baseball. Bernie Sanders and Elizabeth Warren got involved. It was an existential threat to their future. Now, unfortunately, it looks like, you know, they may have no choice but to agree to this as part of a wider deal. Uh, Mike Lynch, obviously, you know, minor league baseball in the cities that it's in, you know, can be tremendously popular. It can be a great kind of hook for the community. Do you think the wider baseball community will really feel the difference between, you know, 162 affiliated minor league baseball teams and 120 affiliated minor league baseball teams? Well, I don't, I don't think in big cities, people really will think about it too much. You really have to go up to upstate New York and go out to the Midwest, to Iowa, to Montana, to places where, you know, a, a, a summer baseball game is a livelihood for a lot of people. Uh, not only are the players on the field, but it employs a lot of people as well. And it provides a great deal of entertainment. It's probably the biggest tourist attraction in some of these, some of these cities uh, in, in very small towns. And, and that's a shame. And it's a tradition. You know, I keep thinking of uh, the cornfield out in Iowa. Every time I look at this mm-hmm. story, that's what I think of. I think of Old Orchard Beach up in Maine, uh, where people go and just flock to the ballpark. And, and all the creative uh, marketing people have these gimmicks to, to bring people to the games that, you know, that, that's some of the most creative minds in, in, in all of sports. So I think it's a huge economic uh, impact on those towns directly. And that's why we're seeing so many uh, uh, congressmen, congresswomen, and United States senators getting involved to try to try to save some of these uh these teams it's a shame yeah and there, there's a lot that still needs to be worked out obviously it sounds like there may be a plan to leave you know these 42 teams that maybe lose their affiliation maybe there is some kind of system where they can continue to offer baseball in an independent fashion and maybe get supported in some way um by kind of the rest of the baseball establishment uh, but this has been a fight as we said that has been going on for a very long time between minor league baseball and major league baseball, you know, MLB wants better facilities. They want maybe less travel. I know a number of MLB owners want fewer minor league teams. Obviously it's a little bit cheaper for them if they've got, you know, less than six or seven. Um, and then, you know, ma- minor league baseball owners right now, they just want stability. Michael Barr, you know, given the fact that all this is happening right now, they're losing, you know, the the main way that they make money. You know, the calculus for them, I think, has changed a little bit. There is a criticism out there that 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 Major League Baseball may be using this virus, this pandemic, kind of the economic fallout of it to get through to kind of force through an agenda that they already wanted. Uh, Do we think that there is some validity there? Do Do we think that this is just kind of what happens when, you know, economic turmoil hits everybody? 
Well, I was just going to say that we we were talking about this, like you said, about you know several months ago before the coronavirus mm-hmm. even hit the U.S. Now, what has happened, and I, and I believe it, that the coronavirus has become the catalyst for Major League Baseball to get rid of some of these minor league teams. And what's sad about this, and and Mike had said it also, once these teams go, the odds are totally against them that they will ever come back again. Uh, And if it does, it's going to take a long time for them to to regroup and and start all over again. That's what's really sad about it. And, And quite frankly, some of the best times I've ever had watching a baseball game was watching a minor league team. I, I enjoy, you know, the the little goofy games that they play with the fans and this and that, whatever, to to get the spirit up. Uh, you, I mean, cheap beer. Uh, well, who doesn't like cheap beer? But <laughs> but, <laughs> but I mean, you, you have, you know, the food is reasonable. Uh, everything about it, uh, it was very nice at a minor league uh, game, and you could take your whole family and enjoy it and. Unfortunately, this is going to dry up. You're right. And, you know, as you said, kind of the, how hard it is, if you go independent, how hard it is to, to make the difference there. Keep in mind that minor league baseball teams on the whole are not responsible for paying their players. That is something that happens at the big club level. You know, so once you go independent, once you now have to pay your players as well, think about just the way that changes the entire economic calculus of what you're doing. So no question, if we end up with 42 fewer affiliated teams, even if those teams go independent in some semi-affiliated way, we'll see what that looks like. But no question that once you go independent, you know, it becomes a whole different business ballgame for you. Uh, Pun not intended there. Finally, let's talk about this week's main event, the NFL Draft. And, oh, Nelly, as Keith Jackson would say, they have had some technical problems uh, as they were running some dry runs through this for the Thursday draft. I'm going to tell you how bad it is. (laughs) My Detroit Lions, they rented an RV, (laughs) and they parked it right by Roger Goodell's driveway with an IT crew on it just to say, look, if you need some help, sir, we're going to help you out because we don't want any communication problems. We're third in the draft. We, we need this. <laughs> I am very excited about this draft for a lot of reasons. And, and, and Michael, we talked with Michelle McKenna, who's the, the CIO of the NFL, last week about a lot of the technology stuff that's going into this. Uh, the idea of 180 different streams from having every coach and every GM in their own homes through other team personnel, coaches, college coaches, 58 different prospects who had to set up their own camera system within their own <laughs> homes. Uh, all of this, I think it's such an impressive undertaking. Um, and I think there's a chance that it ends up going really, really well. And there's also, unfortunately, I think a chance where it becomes a lot harder or, or maybe a bit more difficult uh, th- than people are hoping. But no matter what, I, th- I say, personally, I say kudos to the NFL, kudos to NFL Network and ESPN for, for biting off what, what seems like a, a very, very difficult thing to do. And I'm, I can't wait to see how it turns out. Can you you imagine you're Joe Burrow and a FedEx package arrives at your house with a tripod, some lights, a couple of <laughs> iPhones, and there's an instruction manual there. <laughs> and you put it together and you're going, holy, what is going on here? How do All I put this, this to, to go to the Bengals. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> now, I worked in television. I still work in television for 40 years. And if my cameraman said to me, Mike, turn the camera on. I was still would not know which one of those little levers on the side to, 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 
put on. So I can only imagine all these people trying to set everything up. You know, the camera could be horizontal when it's supposed to be vertical. And But the fun part's going about this is going to be, you know, the NFL draft has had been a little bit sanitized with that that sort of waiting room back there and everyone handing out the hats when they come up on the stage. And, and it was all, it was it was pretty much the same. There's going to be a lot more spontaneity to this, I think. Sitting in, in family rooms uh, with, with, with loved ones around you or maybe some college teammates or something. And, and it's going to be something that, that we only saw with, with a surprise draft uh, that wasn't invited to wherever the draft was being held. So I, I think uh, I agree with, with both you guys. I'm really looking forward to this, A, because it's something to watch, but B, it's, it's something that it's different and has never happened before. And, and I think it's, it, it's going to be good. It's going to be it's unrehearsed. It's uh, it's going to be unvarnished, and it's going to be a little bit different than what we've seen in years past. With the uh, you know, it's almost a scripted dr- uh, draft. Player gets the name announced, hugs the family member, puts on the cap, walks up the stage, shakes the uh, commissioner's hand, holds up the jersey, and then goes to the side and does an interview. This is going to be so much different than that. One thing you won't be seeing out there as well. I, I know the NFL obviously does a lot to protect its partners. It sent out some instructions for these guys about what uh, logos can be allowed to be seen, which ones can't. I believe you know some some players even got uh, welcome kits that have some products like Pepsi products or Frito Lay products, Mars Candy. Those are all NFL sponsors. Those will be allowed to be displayed. Uh, there, there's a lot going on right now, kind of from a business standpoint too, to make sure that and and we'll see if all 58 of these prospects adhere to it Um, because there's also an opportunity and i would not be shocked if there is some kind of guerrilla marketing campaign done at some point where some guy sitting in his you know couch the minute he gets drafted unzips his sweatshirt and he's got you know some brand that is not an nfl partner affiliated on it but i do think there's going to be some interesting there's, there's some interesting business exposure for brands as well as a result of again not having everybody in a green room walking across the stage and hugging roger goodell but rather you know them in the comforts of their own homes around with around their family can I can I admit a, a little guilty thing that's in the back of my mind now? Of course, I because Always. we talked to Michelle last week, and I want to see this go off very well. I, I you know I want it to to go very well, but there's a little side of me. Well, let me put it this way: if something does go wrong, you ever seen those sketches where they're during the news and they bring the the puppy on from the Humane Society or something? <laughs> On the set, there's a little side of me that just wants to see the puppy pee on the set, and I'm, I, I just want to see what would happen if this thing just goes to pieces and smithereens. It's like, oh my goodness! So that I'm not gonna lie, I got I got to watch this. I got to see how in the world they're gonna put this together. I'm sorry, it's it's I'm I'm the devil. I, I can't. <laughs> I mean, I I want to see this. I want to see what's gonna happen. Uh, I'm also very I'm also very intrigued to see what the ratings numbers are like. You know, we discussed on Monday what we thought kind of the last dance, the, the Michael Jordan, the first two episodes of that documentary might get. They ended up, you know, averaging 6.1 million viewers, uh, which is a big number, a lot, a lot more than a lot of people uh, expected. The WNBA draft on ESPN last week uh, did very well. I think it was the, the best.
best or second best uh, WNBA draft they've ever had. Obviously, not not as much sports competition as there usually is. Uh, I think this might see a, a very big number for ESPN and NFL Network at a time when you know all sports media networks uh, n- need to attract people to their TV sets. This is the Bloomberg Business of Sports podcast. I'm Michael Barr, along with Mike Lynch and Evan Novi Williams. We're here each and every Monday, Wednesday, and Thursday exploring the world of money and sports. Join us again at the end of the week. We're speaking with NBA agent Happy Walters. We're going to chat all about what NBA players are doing right now in their downtime and also what we were discussing on Monday, the challenges to the NCAA system if we may see more elite high school prospects doing things other than college basketball. And subscribe to the Bloomberg Business of Sports show wherever you get your podcasts.